1: Details. Hello everybody and welcome back to Turf Show Times Radio. This is your boy Josh Webb here alongside my loyal co-host, Mr. Joe McAtee. Joe, how you doing?
0: Hi everybody. I'm doing I'm doing good, man. It's uh Thursday night, it's October. Uh, the weather is lovely where I live, but that's not the case if you live in Florida, the southeast, so uh shout out to all the tertial timers down in florida and in connected regions the low country uh south carolina georgia uh hope y'all got out because if not uh what the hell are you doing get the hell out of there and uh make it through this it's gonna be ugly but uh obviously thoughts are with you guys for everybody for everybody else shut up about the weather y'all are doing yeah
1: yeah seriously i couldn't believe did you please tell me you saw that fox news video going around of old, of old boy, like I need to send it to you. Like the dude straight says, if you're here, here or here, you need to go, or you're gonna die, and your kids are gonna die too. Like he's just uh, old the- shepherd. Old yeah. shepherd. Yeah. Like what the heck are you, What? What?
0: Have you never covered a natural? Oh, yeah, here's here's what I'd say, man. <laughs> here's what I'd please say. I appreciate. I appreciate blunt, the bluntness from Shep. I, I appreciate the uh, the directness. Get, get the hell out of there, or you're going to die. That is true.
1: Not enough people said that. Well, I'm not going to get into get who said that, but not enough people listened to it in <laughs> Katrina. <laughs>
0: you got, but, I mean, hey, that's It's what it is. Yeah, you get out of there if, if you're listening. Hey, good Lord, if you're listening and you still haven't gotten out of there. well, Get out of there. Uh, yeah, get out, get out of there. All righty. But uh, other than that, man, uh, yeah, it's a it's a regular great American Thursday night ready for some football.
1: And one of those themes that the Rams beat down uh, is actually playing. But we're going to get to that a little later. Uh First coming up, Joe, I believe we have a guest, don't we? We have a guest. You want to introduce do- our guest?
0: Sure. From Buffalo Rumblings. You know what? I'm going to skip the introduction. Let him introduce yourself. Let's get a name. Let's get a Twitter feed. Let's get a uh, favorite football player of all time. Let's get a favorite food for the month of November. And that should be good. From Buffalo Rumblings. Who are you, buddy?
2: I am Jeff Hunter. Uh, My Twitter handle is hunterific 86 My favorite football player of all time is Steve Tasker. And oh, my course. favorite food for the month of November is pumpkin muffins.
1: Pumpkin muffins. <laughs>
2: yes.
0: <laughs> Go ahead, Honorific. I feel you, man. That's a
1: bad shout. Pumpkin muffins. Pumpkin
0: muffins. I'm more yes, like I I'm, the, I'm, just. I just I'm
1: not into it. straight pumpkin. I'm into like the pumpkin spices. But like, unless it's pumpkin pie, there's something about pumpkin that doesn't agree with me. I don't know what that is. How come I can only eat pumpkin in pie form?
0: I really enjoy I don't it. Know. That's, there's uh, something about pumpkin in 2016, and it's nothing against pumpkin pie or pumpkin muffins, but the uh, the whole pumpkin craze. I, I'll tell you guys, there there is a, a a pumpkin gouda cheese going around at the grocery store out here, and I, it makes me feel like. Uh, we jumped the shark years ago. When you get to pumpkin gouda, I feel like we've gone too far, and it's time to pull back. And maybe it's too late. And uh, you know, may- maybe that's a good—that's a good segue for a discussion about Rams and Bills football. <laughs>
1: pumpkin pumpkin gouda is a great segue. <laughs> yeah. So, so we got the Rams, we got the Bills coming up. Uh, this is only going to be the what, Joe? the the second to last card game or second to last home game that
0: the uh, that the good old Rams there play before the buy. Um, well, remember, it's it's the only game at the Coliseum. It's the second to last home game, but the other home game is going to be in uh, in
1: London. Uh, My bad, that's right, London, Coliseum
0: that's game. So that's correct.
1: Both both teams are well. Let's just say that the Bills got off to a surprising start and and are doing well enough. But I know that Joe and and uh, and your your editor over there were sitting there talking today about about mediocre and, and misery. And I think as Rams guys, there's only so many franchises, and nobody wants to share space with the Browns, dub. So That's they're true. out. They didn't they didn't even get an invite to the party. But there's only so many teams who can share sort of these feelings of mediocrity with what is supposed to be a new hope each year. I don't know how many quarterbacks the Bills have gone through or new running backs. Oh, this guy's going to be the guy. We Rams guys can can appreciate that. Why don't you put into a nutshell what the Bills have been like lately and more probably more importantly, where you see them headed in 2016?
2: Well, you hit the nail on the head with mediocrity. It's been a lot of eight and eight. Uh, we we haven't quite hit that seven and nine consistency since Dick Geron was around about ten years ago. But uh, there's been a lot of eight and eight. There's been a lot of six and ten. There was a four and twelve in there in 2011. Uh, and yeah, since uh, since 1999, the Bills have hit nine and seven twice. And that's the best that we've done. And uh, as you probably know, uh, that includes zero playoff appearances. So yeah, it's, best, um, it's this thing um, <laughs> I, I don't know. it's I'm usually too busy in January yeah. to really pay attention
1: myself as well joe do you do you do you, what do you find yourself watching in January?
0: Well, no, but here's what I'd ask is, uh, so the Rams obviously off to three and one start is uh, more than anybody could have asked for on our side. Obviously, the way you guys started uh, in in Buffalo, maybe not the way you had hoped, but you look at the last two wins and as decisive and as complete as they were, certainly against New England. uh, Jeff, how how do you guys feel about where this team is headed? Maybe, you know, if, if I had told you that you guys would be two and two before the season started and that you'd win the two games that you did in the way you did, how would you feel about it?
2: It's well I two and two was what a lot of people expected but yeah like you said it was everybody was expecting the opposite honestly sure. uh there are there's a lot of a, a whole spectrum of feelings I'm personally I'm kind of taking a realistic look at it and seeing that you know Arizona probably isn't as good as ever av- I watched a little bit of the game uh, going on right now and They might not be as good as advertised. And New England, it's always great to get a win in uh, Gillette, especially a shutout. But Jacoby Brissett just isn't very good. Um, This game coming up is going... I'm looking at it as the real barometer of what this team is. If the... Like, there's we had a big coordinator switch going to the new offensive coordinator. Uh, If he's really... If they can get a good game against the Rams' defense, I will be a lot more optimistic about this season. But right now, I'm kind of guarded about it.
0: Let me ask you this, and then I'll throw it back over to Josh. Um, That you you mentioned obviously the offensive coordinator change and the fact that you guys are in this kind of multi-year rut, which the Rams are obviously as well. Um, But you didn't mention Tyrod Taylor. Uh, Is he the kind of player that? that you're already buying into being the kind of guy that's going to elevate the team or, or is it just like the, you know, Rex Ryan and kind of the, the, the franchise trajectory in general, where you're, you're kind of a wait and see trust, but verify situation where you need more evidence before you can go all in on Tyrod.
2: Yeah, it's definitely trust, but verify because Tyrod is, he can do amazing things with the football and then he can just have these games where he just, it, he looks like he doesn't know how to hit a receiver uh it's it helps that he's in the offense that he's in a run heavy offense that can make use of his legs and get him outside the pocket to go down the field um it's i really like that the contract extension that he got because there's almost nothing guaranteed after this year so he's really in a put up or shut up season you don't want Case Keaton? Uh, you can uh you you guys you guys can keep him um we'll we'll take Goff if he's uh on the market but
1: that'll depend on how Keenum does
2: yeah Tyrod is uh i mean it's what i'm worried about is picking up his contract extension and then switching coaches down the line because any other offense your normal passing offense Tyrod Taylor is a big his value just plummets. He's really he he works best in the offense that he's in and if Rex Ryan doesn't stick around which is a very real possibility it's Tyrod Taylor but probably should be leaving with him.
1: What I want to know is uh you guys got a couple guys on there I'm an <laughs> SC guy. I'm not I'm not entirely unfamiliar with the Buffalo defense. Um And and I think that even though some of their secondary players might be eh, maybe a little smaller, maybe, uh, man, can they hit and can they force turnovers? Um, what is it about this Bills defense that is coming together? Do you, ha, has it started in the secondary with guys like Nickel Roby with guys like Tevon uh, Seymour, so on and so forth, and I know I'm missing much bigger names, but I'm giving a shout out to my two SC guys.
2: Uh, absolutely, um, it's they. We we have noticed over the last couple games that, like, if I don't know if you watched the Jets game, but against the Jets, they were just getting beat left and right. Even Stephon Gilmore, who's who at his best is one of the best cornerbacks in the league. Uh, the last couple games, they've just been getting to the ball and breaking up passes, which they really just weren't doing. A guy I would like to shout out that's just upped his game tremendously is Aaron Williams. He usually gets hurt, so it's kind of hard to keep a too close of an eye on him. But, oh yeah, over the last game, he, last few games, he's just been everywhere, just breaking up passes down the field. Just making sure those home runs, whenever either Carson Palmer or Brissett tried to push it down the field, it just wasn't happening. Yeah,
1: he was a stud uh, coming out of Texas. This is a guy that certainly could play on on that. You know, Joe and I absolutely love to talk college football, um, but uh, what do you think? The Rams are not an explosive offense, and... You look at the lineup, and I'm gonna ask this question, but I do not have a serious look on my face. Like I'm, I'm I'm trying to ask it with a serious look, but is there anybody on the Rams offense receiver wise that scares you? Um, um I I saw
2: about Kenny the
0: Yeah, I saw Jeff, Kenny just Britsa. lie. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yes.
2: I saw Kenny Britz on the injury report. Um I I've seen that uh, Brian Quick seems to at least be getting into the end zone, but you know it's against the Jets. uh, There's a uh, Quincy Inunua just absolutely killed the Bills, and I had never heard that name before. So you know it's sometimes it's the guys you least expect.
0: So what what you're saying is that there's a good chance that none of the Rams receivers are as good as Quincy and uh
2: That is a distinct possibility. You
1: can uh-huh. I I actually say that. <laughs> Joe, I quick, think you quick, haven't quick. said worse.
0: Oh, hey, fair, hey, fair enough, man. Uh, <laughs> I've had to watch the Rams wide receivers for years. Jeff, let me ask you this, man. two Two different pairs of games – what, what have you learned about the Bills that was true in the first two games that wasn't true in the second, or or, or what kind of changed, what what flipped the switch, and, and, and what do you think, uh, in, in terms of that, uh, that you're going to see or that we're going to see, obviously, on the other side of the ball uh, from the Bills on Sunday?
2: Well, when Greg Roman was around, and we noticed it through the first couple games, especially against the Jets, too, because the Ravens game was, it, it. I have no idea what to still have no idea what to make of that game. But, again, uh, the, really the hallmark of that offense has been big plays, going down the field, getting the home run ball, especially to Sammy Watkins. But, like, even against the Jets, it was they had an 84-yard touchdown pass to Marquise Goodwin and then a 71-yard touchdown pass to Greg Salas. Since uh, Greg Roman's left and Anthony Lynn's come in, it's they really haven't gone for the home run balls at all. It's been a lot of methodical... Sustaining drives, getting 10-plus plays and seven minutes off the clock each time. And that has been absolutely huge because it gives the defense a chance to rest. And we've really noticed in the last few games that the defense, when they come out rested, they perform a lot better.
1: It almost goes hand-in-hand, hand, Joe, wouldn't you say, with, in theory, how the Rams want to. To play offense with Fisher ball grind it out take that time off the clock punch it in and wear the team down along with the cushion of death on defense
2: yeah it was uh I would say that with uh, at least with the uh when you have a quarterback like that with either Tyrod Taylor or Case Keenum or the like guys who really aren't gonna just It's. I mean, they're not playing in a spread offense anymore. So you really have to take those 10- to 15-yard chunks when you get them, get your five-yard carries out of Todd Gurley, which I've noticed really hasn't been happening on your guys' end. And LaShawn McCoy's really kind of upped his game a little bit. But that that was another thing that was sorely missing through the first two weeks. But, yeah, that's something that kind of offense is really – it pays dividends in the long run.
0: One last question, then we'll let you go, Jeff. Um, In in terms of what you expect or what what you hope to see uh, on Sunday, what, 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 what do you think is coming and what would you like to see? And then kind of not necessarily a a Rams bills specific uh, prediction, but kind of what, what do you want to see and what do you think is going to happen on your side?
2: I would really like to see them continue the last that tempo that they've developed over the last couple games and hopefully at least for the bills, at least on offense, finish some drives they've had, especially against the Patriots. They had one touchdown on the first drive and then just started right. settling for field goals and short punts. So I would really like to see them actually get into the end zone more than once. Um, I, defensively, it's uh we had a Zach Brown has been absolutely tearing up the league this year through four games and I'd like to see him continue that. I'm also gonna be interested to see uh our interior offensive line. It's a group that's been playing a lot better lately, especially John Miller, the right guard. I really wanna see how they handle handle Aaron Donald. That's gonna be an interesting test and if they can if they can at least limit him, not necessarily eliminate him but they can limit his performance that's probably going to turn some heads going forward
0: on both sides yeah uh Jeff Hunter everybody Buffalo rum uh Buffalo rumblings uh is it honorific 86 is what you said yes it is honorific 86 everybody uh Jeff Hunter Buffalo rumblings uh how about your boy thanks for coming on man
2: no problem thanks for having me
0: Good stuff from Jeff, everybody. Uh, give him a follow on Twitter, Josh. That was good. That was good stuff. That's it. see, we've got subject matter experts, wise in their years, and that's impressive, man. Impressive to have a young, a young man like Jeff Hunter come on and give us that kind of insight.
1: Yeah, you know, I was really surprised with Classy, man. Like Classy is one of those guys who uh, is wise, wise beyond <laughs> his years, and uh, I know we're about to get into the. Uh, I know we're about to get into that uh, here in just a little. Um, but I want to ask you a question because um, we normally do our, our recap, which this final score was Rams uh, 17, Cards 13. And we I'm usually – well,
0: no, hold, on, hold on. Wait, wait, wait. Before before we go farther, just think – say that score and then just let it sink in for a little bit. That's a, that's a total score of 30 points. So go ahead, read it out, and let's just let it sink in for about three seconds. Go ahead.
1: Rams 17, Cardinals – Thirteen,
0: uh, them some pumpkin muffins right there, bro.
1: The biggest of pumpkin muffins. Uh, <laughs> but what I but what I want to know is, did the Cardinals beat themselves on Sunday? Lanny posited, Lanny and Elijah posited a theory that two missed tackles on Brian Williams ended up costing them the game.
0: Sorry, Brian, quick, but I'll yes. give you that. Um, it, Here's the thing: They're not wrong, but at at the same time, you got to do the right thing to take advantage of the situation, right? So, there's no question that Arizona could have done more to win that game. Again, it was seventeen to thirteen. That's a anytime you lose a game thirteen to seventeen, and Rams fans know that know that similar scoreline, maybe not the exact scoreline, but a similar situation very well. When you, when you lose a game 13 to 17 that's a very damn winnable game. You're you're in striking position, let alone the fact that the Rams scored the winning touchdown late into the fourth quarter. So that that game was there for the tank and for Arizona if they wanted. The fact that they didn't certainly is on them, no doubt. And and Lanny and Eli made made a uh, convincing case, but what what I would offer is that the Rams are 3 and 1 for a reason, and I think part of that is when teams have the opportunity to take over the game, uh, the Rams are denying them that. And, they, and they've and they put themselves in a position I'm where they're read able it, I'm to deny read a them stat that stat through that defense.
1: I'm going to read a stat out, Joe, that I want you to expound upon. And
0: is it the is final court- score? Is it, is it Rams not, 17,
1: Cardinals 13? <laughs> it's a little bit better than that. It's courtesy of pro football. Okay. The Rams are one of two teams, well, both starting safeties. Now, mind you, this was... A team that replaced one of their starting safeties—a uh, 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 world-class uh, fo- world safety at that. This but, pro football focus? Yes, pro football focus. The Rams are one of two teams where both starting safeties have allowed a catch rate of 50% or lower, meaning that there are only two teams in the NFL where the safeties are making sure guys don't catch deep balls at a rate of lower than 50%, and the Rams are but one of them. So that means when they pin teams back deep into their own territory, they take away everything behind them and keep it all in front of them. And when you keep it all in front of you, that gives Aaron Donald and his cronies time to do work.
0: Yeah, and this is what we've talked about, about the Ram shell. This is, you know, by design. And it's not necessarily personnel. I don't mean that in a bad way against uh, Maurice Alexander and TJ McDonald or Cody Davis, who has come in for... You know, about a quarter of the defensive snaps, and I certainly don't mean it to the detriment of Rodney McLeod, who has since left for the Philadelphia Eagles. It's more that the scheme takes away the top. And you you can't think about the passes that you've seen thrown to Brian Quick over the top the last two weeks, and uh, the opportunities that, that Case Keenum, rare as they have been, have taken deep. You don't get that against the Rams, and it's because it's way too damn risky uh, if you're facing the Rams defense and not only is it too risky, you've got much easier passes going on underneath the uh, the Cardinals had it the, the Buccaneers had a ton of them, uh, which is why James Winston topped 400 yards. Um, so credit to the secondary and obviously the safeties for keeping the top on but that's the design the bigger problem and this is what we need to understand as fans is that if and when or if or when uh, it ever fails. That's a that's a bigger flaw than almost anything else. You you can't let anybody get on top of the Rams defense and, and you can't. And I mentioned this, I think it was last Sunday uh, in the first quarter when Troy Hill let a pass uh, get completed on the sideline that that that's what the defense is designed to prevent. You, you can get as many catches over the middle underneath as you want. You can't let somebody get the short, skinny post uh, outside underneath. You, you can't let guys get that. That opens up everything else in the playbook because all of a sudden now you're either forcing cornerbacks uh, beyond the flats or you're, you're spreading out the linebackers. You can't do that. So uh, when, when, when we talk about the safeties and the success they've had, that's kind of one of those things where either you've got to have it or everything else in the defense fails so you know credit those guys for for holding up this far but that's kind of the standard and they, and they need to be held to that uh i think the fact that they have is you know consistent with the fact that the rams are three and one and winning games like they did last week when they're winning 17 to 13.
1: yeah and uh apparently jeff winner emailed me and he said he forgot he wanted to say thank you how about that prompt that that is that is professionalism right there folks um but Jeff, he also,
0: pumpkin muffin. Look, Jeff, P- Jeff Jeff Pumpkin, pumpkin. Muffin it, it, we're, we're gonna have him on anytime we play in the Bills. Is he said, Jeff,
1: thanks Puffin. for having me, guys. I didn't think to mention it, but I actually live two miles away from Todd Gurley's high school. Nice place.
0: Jeff, that would have been a good nugget to mention. You know what? One less pumpkin muffin on the uh, the tray in the green room next time.
1: Yep. Um there was another fantastic article up on TST, and it was written by Clausen, who did a film study. And Clausen is saying that the Keenum KC, is on... What's yeah. up? Keenum's KC, on... KC, KC. Yeah. yeah. Do, you th- do you agree with that? Oh. So... yeah. Because oh. <laughs> I put what? my flag what? in the <laughs> room on, on another one of the lost shows where I said, I think Fisher is the type of guy... Who, in a perfect world, unless this thing starts
0: tanking, he's he's the- yeah, out there, yeah, yeah. That's that's the thing. Hey, here's the thing. Derek was looking at the tape, and and, and the, there's almost no argument looking at the tape that Case Keenum has blatant flaws in his skill set that at the NFL level are easy to identify, and not only identify but isolate. Now give the Rams credit that despite the capability of opposing defenses to isolate those flaws, he's been able to manage Fisher ball to a uh, c- competent degree on the offensive side, despite the fact that they're bottom three in almost every metric on offense that they've been able to get three wins. And part of the reason why is that he's managing the game and getting the big plays when they need him to timeliness is more important than anything at
1: this point. Mm-hmm.
0: I think, I think the argument that he's on borrowed time asks the question of what would Jared Goff uh, provide that Case Kingdom right. doesn't—I—I I don't know the answer. I—I I don't know what Jared Goff would do uh, in terms it's of game. It's a question because
1: how I'll can you know say, what Jared Goff do? Here's what I say. What I'll I'll say two,
0: let, yeah, let me say two things, and then and then you take this because I don't know where to go with this. Two things. There's no doubt as an individual skill set, Jared Goff pro- provides more. Beneficial skills to an NFL offense than Case Keenum does. There's no doubt in that. But Case Keenum has been successful in spite of that. And that goes to whatever you want to term it. Football IQ, game management, those kind of things. And obviously his experience, uh, Case Keenum's, is going to serve him better than Jared Goff's lack thereof, would. And that's kind of the thing. When you've got a team that's winning because of their defense and special teams, and you need to avoid turnovers, that's the kind of thing that keeps Case Keenum in the starting lineup over Jared Goff. The second is... There's no surrounding cast. This isn't, you know, Andrew Luck four years ago. This isn't, uh, you know, uh, Peyton Manning with the Broncos. This this isn't a a deficient quarterback that you can surround with great talent on the offensive line and the wide receiver group that's going to carry him while he learns the game. This is the kind of system where if you throw Jared Goff out there after one or two weeks— it could get worse than it was to start off with, and I think that's the kind of thing. And I'm not disagreeing with class. I'm just, and certainly his film study it's is an accurate. alternative It's an alternative viewpoint. Is,
1: I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. I think it's just an alternative kind of,
0: viewpoint. Wh- whether you pay, play Case Keenum or whether you play Jared Goff, it's still the Rams' offense. They were the worst offense in the league a year ago, and they brought everybody back. That's not the way to put, put together a successful offense, regardless of who the quarterback is.
1: Yeah, I, I, I think you hit the nail on the head there. It, it just it simply boils down to the fact that, A, I don't think the question can be answered. You can't, a- you can't answer that question unless you ask it in the only way possible, which is to put him on the field. Now, there is, and I think you hit on it, I'm just going to summarize it a different way, people asking what's the worst that can happen, well... The Rams cannot be 3-1 and one very quickly. Right now they are. They're winning. And teams are like, crap, that's a good team. We have to pay attention to them. You stick a rookie in there that maybe they figure out or who has different tendencies that the offensive line isn't used to blocking for, and then all of a sudden those tendencies are exploited. And now your quarterback's on his ass, I don't know, every other game, Every game, every other down, and it just, all the stuff begins to add up. It's not so much what else can go wrong. It's just saying it's working right now. Like, this is the thing. When you have a winning formula, it's like Jose Mourinho. He doesn't give a damn if it's boring. Did he win? Yes. Check. Done. See ya. Conversation's over. And I think that's sort of what it's like with Jose uh, – or excuse me, with Jeff Fisher. I think he looks – name- Jose, Jose Fisher. With Jose it's Fisher. Is that – can that <laughs> – that's going to be the title of the podcast, Jose, Jose. Fisher. <laughs> oh, that was the greatest accidental mistake <laughs> ever. But – but you look at, I'm just going to call him that now, you look at Jose Fisher and, and you look at the way he manages games, I think you hit the nail on the head, 17-13. How many coaches out there are going to take that win? I know a lot of them will speak up and say, oh, I'll take the W, but if you get them behind closed doors, they're probably letting a lot of expletives fly, saying, sure. you're kidding me? We won 17-13? to That's probably what they'd be saying. Jeff Fisher goes in there, you know, to the back room and is high-fiving coaches. All right, guys, got another one yep. on the board for the defense.
0: And not only that, you're talking about a coach who's in who's in year five. He, he's had every opportunity to build the offense the way he wants, and this is what he wanted. He, you know, went all in on a running back uh, after drafting multiple running backs. Isaiah P. uh... Zach Stacy, Trey Mason, and essentially, you know, shed all that draft capital aside because he wanted Todd Gurley, and we we've seen what he's gotten out of him. Right? This this isn't this isn't like a flukishly bad offense. This is a bad offense by design. It, it it's not designed to uh, carve up the field, and it's not designed to take out big chunks. It's designed to uh, plot ahead and wear down the defense and, and hopefully like you've seen or like we've all seen the last four weeks or I guess three weeks obviously if you throw out week one take advantage of the timeliness uh, of what's in front of them I, I think the, the main takeaway if you're talking about if we're still talking about Jared Goff versus Case Keenum and obviously the three-in-one record uh has taken that discussion off the books by and large is that that if you if you take the other ten guys on the offense besides the quarterback position, there's no way you'd throw a quarterback in there and, and say this is what's best for your development. We, they, remember, this is 2016, a year in which we're seeing rookie quarterbacks, uh, you know, succeed across the league and not succeed necessarily in a uh, overwhelming unanimous way. But you got Dak Prescott, you got uh, Carson Wentz, obviously, you got. You know, a couple other guys who are popping in and making their name in the NFL and, and doing so when they've got some supporting cast the Rams just don't have that and that's by design and here's the problem Josh is that uh, when you talk about the lack of the, the offensive support wh- what you're talking about is the long term development of a guy like Jared Goff you can screw up his career in 2016 That nobody nobody talks about what is Case Keenum going to be as a quarterback in 2018 nobody cares about that the, the, you could argue that the weight of – and the success of the Los Angeles Rams in 2018, the year before they move into their new stadium, rests almost entirely upon how well Jared Goff is playing that season.
1: If he even gets the chance. I mean,
0: and it, who knows? But, and if, if there are it, a million if, different if things that can go wrong. Sure, and that's that the thing. is, is what that, I was saying. That, that, no, I, I feel you, but they, here's the thing. They traded away – draft capital to do that. They don't They don't have a first-round pick next year. And I'm not disagreeing with you that there's a bunch of things that could go wrong, but they've gotten rid of all the mitigation plans. Remember, this is the NFL. This isn't college. This isn't where you can go out and recruit another quarterback next year without penalty to the other opportunities to improve your team. You your guy. not you get God. so many... Yeah, there's only so many chances. If Jared Goff doesn't pan out for the Rams long term, we're dealing with another five-year rebuild. Whether we like it or not, And that, that's just the bottom line. Remember, there's this a team that has A lot of people pissed
1: off that Wentz wasn't taken.
0: Well, that, that's the kind of decision that people need to be held accountable. And, and, and not just for year one or week five. Carson Wentz needs time and the Eagles need time to figure out what ty- kind of team they are. If Carson Wentz and the Philadelphia Eagles are more successful than Jared Goff and the Rams are, that's the kind of decision that's supposed to affect your job status, period.
1: <laughs> Ain't that the truth. Um, We got a host of listener questions, and we usually try to do lightning round on them but some of them we have some fun with but before we get to those i just really quickly want to go over the injury report ahead of the bills game and i think that the, the, the two biggest names on that list for me right now are michael brockers and kenny britt would you say that those two guys are the most you wrote the article on this who, yeah. who do you think's the bigger loss
0: William Hayes and Robert Quinton, your you, two starting defensive ends. The You can get around your starting wide receiver. You can get around, you know, uh, other guys on the roster. You, you can't get around your start. well, here's what I'd say. Most teams can't get around their two starting defensive ends. If the Rams can, that should tell you something about how invaluable that position is. If the Rams can deal with losing their top two – Think, think about that, Josh. You're dealing with your DE3 and 4 as potentially your starting defensive ends. If they're capable of working in this defense, why do you need great defensive ends in the first place? And I don't mean that to say that the Rams should be starting Eugene Sims and Matt Longacre every week. What I'm saying is if the drop-off isn't that uh, huge at defensive end, why? Why are the Rams putting that much value into the position when clearly there's other positions that they need to improve?
1: Yeah, it certainly is a uh, it certainly is a very curious uh, predicament for the Rams. Since I, I mean, like I said, Cam and I were were joking back when. Uh, we had uh, uh, flipping tables, and and we were joking around that if Jeff Fisher could, he'd he'd move up and draft Joey Bosa.
0: And It was a joke, but you know there was. Well, there was he draft he draft Joey Bosa and Ezekiel Elliott. You know he you know he'd take a running back just in case.
1: Oh yes, he would. Hey, you know what, though? I don't think anyone will complain about Zeke Elliott, man. That guy's a beast.
0: Um, <laughs> See? Exactly. You're, hey, that, that's all Jeff Fisher needs, man. He's, he's bringing you on board slowly but surely.
1: Slowly but surely. So <laughs> let's get to some of these questions. Mr. Ryan Finley99 wants to know when is it time to give up on G Rod? G. Rob, yeah. excuse me. It almost seems like we need to forget him, move him inside, and find a new left tackle. Are you going to tell Mister Finley that he's wrong?
0: No. Well, he he, he didn't he didn't give us a, a time when we need to give up on G. Rob. Here's what I'd say: that uh, there's still twelve games. Left in this season, this is year three. This is a pivotal year for Greg Robinson, no doubt. As a, I mean, look at the way Aaron Donald has produced in his first two and a quarter years, uh, being drafted. You know, coming out of the same draft as Greg Robinson, All, albeit you know, Aaron Donald's older than Greg Robinson. He came out of Robinson came out as a Richard sophomore. So yeah, I think, he I,
1: also didn't come out of a crappy gimmick system that
0: no doubt you know jet sweep offense. Hey, for, for 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 a franchise that just drafted Jared Goff, I think that's one of those statements that needs to be repeated uh, often for a fan base that's looking for a young player to develop. Right? Um, here, here's what I'd say: that you know, we got Greg Robinson for another year, and we don't have a first round pick. Uh, I think I think clearly the the need to start questioning. Whether Greg Robinson is the long-term left tackle is a question that we need to start asking now. When do we answer that? I, I don't know. that the, the, Here's the question, Josh. The Rams could be, uh, it, and certainly standing as it is right now without a trade, they've got one pick in the first 64 picks in the, in, in the 2017 NFL draft. They've, they don't have a first-round pick. They've only got one second-round pick. You only get one chance to improve your team with the first 64 picks. I don't know that you have to spend it at left tackle. And if that's not the case, I don't know that there's going to be a better, you know, member of the personnel than Greg Robinson going into 2017. I, I, you know, and I apologize to Ryan that uh, there's not a more uh uplifting answer but but i think the question is when is it (laughs) time to give up when is it time to give up on greg robinson when he gives up on
1: himself
0: well when he gives up on himself but when you have a time when you have a chance to replace him with somebody else i don't know that the rams are going to have that before the expiration of his rookie contract maybe and this is a maybe we'll have to see how things play out going into next march uh, free agency is an opportunity. I know that's something that the Rams kind of screwed up pretty monumentally with Jake Long, but they took a big shot on somebody like that. And maybe there's a left tackle solution through free agency that produces itself. Otherwise, I think you, you, there's a good chance that the Rams are rolling with Greg Robinson into 2017. And the answer for when is it time to give up on him is – depending on how he plays next year and not even this year. uh, Maybe that's the time to give up on him after the 2017
1: season. Speaking of giving up, question for my Rams folks, Mr. And I almost said something else, but Fletch Topper, Fletch. um, Mr. Fletch Topper wanted (laughs) to know, is Brian Quick a true fantasy option or is he high risk, high reward?
0: Uh, he's high risk, low reward. It's prank. there. You go.
1: That's that's all we the, need to spend on that question. Well, I, I, really
0: I, I, know like, that... <laughs> I like Fletch. You know, anytime you reference Fletch, and I'm hoping this is the case, is that Fletch is uh, assuming okay. that we're gonna we're gonna take that reference as one of the greatest movies of all time. And, and you you and I love talking movies. You you've mm-hmm. referenced some movies that I'm clearly behind on with Demolition Man uh and others of recent podcasts i actually uh, just
1: watched demolition man with the girlfriend last night as an ode to uh as an ode to tst radio like after we got talking about, about, the- about it i was like <laughs> i can't stop thinking about it now i want to watch the damn movie In hbo go ahead
0: the- i was like shit josh brought that up man maybe i need to go ahead and watch it the- who was um who played the mayor of the, the city
1: Ah,
0: crap, man. Uh, Well, you don't know either. It's not a big deal. We'll let the listeners figure out. This will be a good opportunity for them to hit us up because I don't remember. But it it was somebody that played. Remember you had the mayor and his little chief of staff? Yeah, his
1: little chief of staff that looked like he had the flock of seagulls haircut.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Whoever those guys were, I, I, I literally haven't seen this movie in a decade. So, uh, holler at us. That's a that's a good way to get back at Tertial radio this week. Is uh, let us know who played the mayor and who played the chief of staff. Um, but for Fletch, the idea, the idea that Brian Quick in year five, after four years of, remember Brian Quick was a second round pick. That think about the way that people were talking about. Farrow Cooper and Nelson Spruce As fourth round and, and undrafted Free agent rookies For this team Brian Quick was a second round pick man He was in the same draft as Janoris Jenkins Somebody who just left in free agency and cashed in on a huge contract That should be the level That Brian Quick's playing to The fact that he's not tells you w- What you need to know from a fantasy Standpoint Don't don't put Brian Quick on your damn fantasy team Don't do that to yourself fleshstopper. Or anybody else, don't do that, man. Come on,
1: that's uh, yeah, you you really be shooting yourself in the foot. But what Cocho eighty four wants to know is, was it was it the opponent or is change necessary in reply to Andy Benoit tweet about Barnes and Wickman? Uh, struggling to generate movement in the run. Um, I'm going to touch on this one a little. I'll let you take over the Barnes part. But even going back to his days in Fresno State, man, uh, Cody Wickman was never the most physical guy off that ball uh, in the run game. Uh, It was one of the big knocks on him is that he wasn't really a physical. I was actually kind of surprised when he earned a starting spot on this Rams roster. I think he's an NFL player. I just didn't realize that he was a starter for the Rams. So maybe that shows what I know about him. But I can at least say that going back to his days at Fresno, Wickman had problems in the run game. And a lot of that could have to do with uh, Cam Norcross's damn near awful blocking scheme that saw the left tackle on the ground trying to go for a cut block almost every game and never getting it. Like, it was a cut block-based scheme, which I think are crap. Anyway, like, if that's what you have to use to, to open up space on the offensive line, then you just don't have a very good offensive line. Um, but uh, it's sort of what he went through. So there could be shades of that hanging around Wickman, but feel free to expand on that, Joe.
0: Well, I'm just a little confused as to why ed orgeron is asking us questions like you know thanks coach O, but yeah. i know the game got canceled this weekend man but you got better things to do coach O. yeah you, know, you got an lsu you, team to coach up
1: you, you need to get out
0: <laughs> i'm just <laughs> saying man get the head like we said get the hell out of there um
1: so okay uh, that, that's actually a perfect damn question because apparently Patty <laughs> mick wants to know just a thought Uh, or actually, excuse me, Senior Doodle Dan, rather, wanted to know, so any idea why Wickman has surpassed Jamon Brown on the depth chart? No, actually, I mean, you hit the nail on the head, bud. We're trying to figure that out, too. So tweet us back with your answers, and we will explore them.
0: Well, and not only do we need to explore them, we need to get more from the media to answer this, is that, you know, this is central to what the Rams were trying to do in the 2016 offseason or excuse me, 2015 off season. Um, and, and part of why they drafted Todd Gurley is that they felt comfortable that they were going to be able to make the changes on the offensive line that year. And part of that was Cody Wickman. Part of that was Jamon Brown. Part of that was Greg Robinson and his development at left tackle. And obviously Rob Havenstein, maybe the, the most successful member out of the crew that they've been able to bring in in the last two years. Um, I, I, I mean, there's no way to justify it until the Rams start producing results. And when you got Todd Gurley, you know, limited in production in a passing game that's struggling. Can I interrupt under- and phenomenal. ask you a
1: question? You talked about this no, no, no. in the last podcast, and I think that it was, I, it was such a good concept that you brought up. I, I want you to bring it up again. But you talk about the patience that was there sure. from Gurley last season that isn't there this season. Can you, can you expand on that for the Lost Episode li- listeners?
0: Well, we had, a pull- great piece from Masone, yeah, we had a great piece from Mason Adiosaur where he looked at the tape and he showed that uh, Gurley was struggling to wait for whatever reason. And this it, it doesn't necessarily mean it's Gurley's fault. Uh, but if you look at the tape, he was uh, overly aggressive in attacking the holes that he was anticipating being there before they were there. And if you look at the tape, You know, his guys were working to open the lanes before they were available, Uh, and this is against. um, I think it was the Cardinals game, right, last week uh, that Masson broke down, uh, where he looked at and said, "Look, here's what David Johnson is doing on the same play call." With the same design run, and because Johnson is waiting for his offensive line to open those lanes, it has nothing to do with you know uh, speed or agility or you know those kind of individual skills. It's just the nature of waiting and having the patience to kind of wait for the guys to get their bodies in place to open up this little lane, at which point you let the speed and the agility and the athleticism take over. And that's kind of what Gurley was struggling with. It's one of those things where the running back position is, and we've seen this across the league because you've had so many guys be successful that have been taken well beyond the first round. It's not a function of the tangible Skills, The physical skills, the stuff that they measure at the combine, it's a measure of some of the other things and the things that make it possible for a David Johnson coming out of northern Iowa and, uh, you know, pick another running Alfred Morris, guys that have come from, you know, programs well beyond the success rate at, at the FBS level that are learning the skills that don't necessarily show up when you don't have a quality offensive line or a quality I'm gonna offense. I'm going to bring
1: up the or... greatest name of all time in offensive line guys who came from crappy colleges. Stephen Mother Neal. Graduated sure. from Cal State University Bakersfield, baby, my
0: alma mater, and we hey, do not you can... even have a football team. Hey Rams fans could bring up Steven Jackson too coming out of Oregon Yeah but Steven state, Jackson know, didn't beat the hell
1: Steven Jackson didn't
0: beat the hell out of Brock Lesnar
1: for an NCAA crown though
0: Sure, and his Oregon State offense didn't beat anybody else. But sure. by the time he got to the NFL, the skills that he had developed, the, despite the fact that he had an elite physical skill set, much like Todd Gurley, with great physicality and vision and acceleration and all the shit, anybody that saw Steven Jackson knows how special. I'd argue any day that he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, especially in the last era, because he was what he was able to do. But what made him special was was that he was able to apply some of the lessons that he learned at a deficient Oregon State offense to what he got from a deficient NFL offense with the Rams. That's kind of the problem with Todd Gurley, is that he played in the SEC, and he played with great offensive linemen. He great, played with great offensive players around him. Uh, and, and because you got that kind of uh, uh, you know competition... When you look, have five
1: stars surrounding five me. stars, your yeah, team's going to exactly. look a hell of a lot better.
0: Exactly right. He was able to deal with guys that were winning every game and maybe not against you know the SEC when he's playing Alabama or when he's playing LSU, but for the most part he was able to to take advantage of those opportunities. When you're with the Rams and you're dealing with an offensive line that just isn't, you know, in the top half of the NFL, it's very hard to adjust the individual skill set you have, physical, the, the physical individual skill set that you have, with the mental side of the game and all the other things that can make you successful as a running back. So it's very different. And, and I know we're getting way off topic when we talk about Cody Wakeman and Jamon Brown and all this other stuff. so,
1: because those you know, are the questions asked that, to us.
0: <laughs> it is part, it's part of the same you know, uh, engine. There, there are different yeah. gears.
1: Well, I mean, yeah. to be perfectly honest, the next question was about Gurley, so you're setting them up for me to knock him down. The follow-up question by Mad Mike was just a thought, do you think he, Gurley, that we were just talking about, would benefit from more runs out of the shotgun?
0: I don't think it's a gimmicky as that. I don't. I, there's there's no individual thing that he's going to benefit from. There's no one saying would he benefit out of the shotgun? Would he benefit out of you know switching the you know tight end to the weak side or uh, you know switching the strong side to the other side of the ball? Would he benefit from this? And
1: or that? greasing hey, up his ass. a will Chevy Chase in sure. Christmas Vacation. That, you know.
0: <laughs> well, you know, we talked about Fletch earlier. Maybe that's part of it, and getting on that. That, that, what is it, a metal, what the hell was that? A metal tube, whatever that thing was. Yeah, that looked
1: look little. like a damn metal tin is what it was. That, but that like, was, I, when I was a kid, I don't know. that was the best part of that movie.
0: Oh, sure. Yeah, I'd, I wouldn't be upset if Todd Gurley found one of those to grease his ass up and ride down uh, the hill on. I, I think the thing is, you can't gimmick out of this. this. This isn't a thing, and especially when you start facing, you know, NFL defensive coordinators and, uh, middle line, big, look, we're facing the Carolina Panthers coming out of the bye. Luke Keekly is going to know how to scheme against that and what to call his defense for. You can't scheme out of these guys with shit like that. Well, Here's what you got to do. you you got to find a way to get opportunities to run the ball when it's 5-on-5, five 6-on-6, five, six six, 7 and 7 The problem has been that defenses are crashing guys down to keep Todd Gurley uh, limited. And so, when you're blocking with seven guys or six guys and they're rushing eight or seven guys, there's no way to beat that you can't beat you can't block eight guys with seven guys period. The problem is that the passing game hasn't taken that uh out of the game plan and and so that's not on todd Gurley. it's not on the offensive line it's a scheme issue and until the rams find a way to do that we're going to be asking these kind of questions for a couple. so
1: i'm just going to say that the answer to the next question which is coaching staff talking points are either running game uh for the last four years has been it's a process what has fisher been doing for the last four years the question is coaching the defense
0: (laughs) all right so uh, <laughs> Here's the thing, Josh. It's in year five. It's a process. Maybe by year eight, we'll figure it out. <laughs> if
1: it's a process in, year five, oh my god. Uh all right. So the breeziest wants to know over under forty three rush yards for Tyrod Taylor. That's what Blaine Gabbert had.
0: That's it. That, that's a great question. The difference is you you have to plan for Tyrod. Uh, the way you, you
1: know run. that he's going to run.
0: I say that at knowing that the 49ers are playing right now. So if I go back and look at the TV or look at the box score and Blaine Gabbard's scrambled for eighty yards, it's gonna make me look a lot stupid. Um, you know, I'd say under only because you look at Russell Wilson. Um, you know, the the Rams do a good job at containing. Uh, here's what I'd say. They do a good job at containing scrambling quarterbacks, but that's with the complement of their starting defensive ends, Robert Quinn and William Hayes and Chris Long in years past. Uh, Big difference if we've got Matt Longacre and Eugene Sims as the starting defensive ends, let alone who provides a depth there. I don't know. I I, I don't know how those guys would hold the edge against somebody like Tyrod. Assuming that we get at least one of the two starting defensive ends back and Uh, There's no other surprises. Maybe keeping Michael Brockers in the starting lineup is going to help because he's so good at uh, limiting running lanes. I'd say under, but I think the key is not necessarily what does Tyrod Taylor get in the rushing game in terms of yards, but how many times does he kind of fake the run and kind of, uh, you know, when he he crashes the line and kind of scrambles that way, do the cornerbacks and safeties bite on that and start coming up, assuming that he's going to run. You see this from Ben Roethlisberger a lot. He starts scrambling from the pocket and makes it look like if he's going to run for the first down. We saw two weeks ago where Mark Barron gave up the touchdown with Jameis Winston, when Jameis Winston scrambled up and looked like he was going to come for, you know, to run past line of scrimmage. And when Barron came up, it gave him an easy touchdown. That's the kind of thing that I could see being a more effective, uh, uh, you know, part of the strategy for the bills with Tyrod taylor than the rushing yards per se
1: and i'm gonna make you keep this one super quick because i kind of feel like we've answered this question already but i don't want to skip over anybody who submits a question ran 215 beats wants to know why does it seem like todd Gurley doesn't have the patience or vision like other top backs um, he, he he may uh, not I'll
0: take up- well, here's, yeah, I mean, here's what I'll take on as managing editor of Tertial Times is that we need to do a better job of answering that question, right? And Mason did part of it, and Derek, uh, QB class, has done part of it. But uh, as fans, we need to be able to answer that for other fans to say, here's the problem with Todd Gurley right now, and explain whether or not it's on Todd Gurley or whether it's on the offensive line or the system, but it's something that we need to answer. So I'll take that on us as a do-out, man. I think this is the first do-out in the history of Terrestrial Radio.
1: Yeah, might be. Uh, All right. Now, Mr. Trey B12, who loves his B12 vitamins, gave us a – well, I mean, he basically gave us all of our questions with the exception of the very last one. So I'm going to hit you rapid status with Mr. Trey B12. Uh, Are Fisher's poor challenges choices his way of showing the players that he believes in them? Mm. mm.
0: Here's the I kind of just
1: think they're shitty challenges
0: to be honest. Well, th- I think I think this gets at the the core of Fisher Bull, right? And I, I there there's a way to write this up that I need to and I've thought about this honestly for more than a year and this is part of it is what what does what does Jeff Fisher do as a head coach? What is he, What is he best at? And I mean that in a sincere way, because we we know the answer is not winning football games, right? Um, yeah, I mean the, Jeff Fisher has almost as long as a resume, if not longer than almost anybody else in in the NFL. And part of part of what he does is uh, make his players comfortable, including. The problem, children, and I, I don't mean that in a you know what's the right word uh, silly way. It's that he's able to prepare uh, professionals for uh, the the schedule of a seventeen week NFL season, and he does it well. Now, when you when you talk about what happens in game, then there's no question that he struggled over his career too. Uh, make the most out of those opportunities but but here's the thing josh is when we ask you know is are his challenges about showing the players that he believes in them or are they meant for anything else that it's impossible to get away from the idea that everything he does including the challenges are are meant to uh motivate his players because of his confidence in them and that that's his entire philosophy it's not just about the challenges It's that his approach to football is empowering. What would you talk about with a player's coach or a player's manager? You know, in baseball uh, or other sports, the idea that this is a guy that gets with the players and can motivate them because he makes them feel capable versus the Bruce Arians type, the guy, the taskmaster, the the Belichick, the guy that says this is what we're going to do, and if you can't do that, get the fuck out of here. Jeff Fisher isn't that kind of guy. He's the guy that says, "I believe in you." Here's what I want you to do. Let me help you make this possible.
1: All right, we're gonna go some lightning round on these. Otherwise, we are never gonna get through all of these questions at the rate that we're. And we gotta them. get to
0: our draft talk. We we gotta get to draft talk, man. Come on.
1: All right. Well, you gotta shorten up your answers, Brosif. Uh, all right. So another fun one for you. Uh, at what point do we give? I love this. Do do we? I love fans asking. At what point do we give? Like, well, I think what they mean is, what point do I give up? At what point do 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 the Rams give Isaiah Battle a chance at guard or something different?
0: <laughs> Lightning round. Keep going.
1: Just kidding. No, no, no. Are we on? All right. Do we honestly know what the holdup is with Spruce and Cooper? Fair question here. And once they are active, what is there to well, expect? That's the thing. We don't you, know.
0: Well, you've got, yeah, you've got an injury plus, you know, uh, Jeff Fisher's pension for delaying playing rookies. The, the, you know, Jeff Fisher didn't play Aaron Donald as a starter. You know, he played him, but it rotated him in, uh, for a month. And, did so with many other rookies. This is Jeff Fisherman. This is, uh, he's, he, J- Jared Goff hasn't played. Uh, think about this, Josh. People are asking, what is the holdup with Nelson Spruce and Farrell Cooper? They're not asking that about Jared Goff. I, the, Jeff Fisher knows how to manage the expectations maybe better than any other head coach in the NFL. And the fact that he's still employed is uh, probably better evidence of that than anything. It's, a, it's impressive.
1: How much longer are we going to let Brian Quick con us into believing that he'll eventually become a full-time wide receiver?
0: Well, hold on. Who was the – where was the first – what was the other Brian Quick question? Go back. What was the one that we answered early on?
1: Uh, The other Brian Quick question was, is Brian Quick a true fantasy oh. option? Is, <laughs> so is he
0: a true fantasy see, see that answer. <laughs> Is he a true fantasy option, or how long are we going to let him con us? That's great stuff, man. But, hey. hey.
1: (laughs) The fallacy of either or. You could be one or the other. A con con artist or a bust. And then the final question, which I think goes back to what you talked about with you can't gimmick your way out of it. Uh, Sabathu wants to know... Why not use Harky or Cunningham as a blocking back to help TG3 find holes? Rams need an all-stot-Rathman type back.
0: Well, here's the problem is that as soon as you do that, as soon as you put Corey Harkey or Benny Cunningham in there as a lead blocker, how obvious is it to the defense that that's a running play, right? If, basically if, tip if your you, hand. Yeah, if, you, if they're already putting eight, nine guys in the box and you start putting somebody out there as a lead blocker, why is the defense not going to throw 10-11 guys and understand that that's what you're trying to do? The, pro- the problem isn't the running game. It's that the Rams have to pass their way around the linebackers and safeties. It's not, it's not the defensive line. It's, it's the defense coordinator, and it has nothing to do with the defensive line or the cornerbacks. The Rams have to find a way to take the linebackers and safeties out of the running game or else those guys are just going to keep crashing on Todd Gurley until the Rams beat him to an acceptable degree. Remember the Rams, look look at what Todd Gurley did last Sunday. The Rams had 10 points going into the last half of the fourth quarter. The, mm-hmm. the Cardinals did a fine job of keeping Todd Gurley limited, as well as the entire offense. That's the blueprint for opponents, and what it tells you is that there's no reason for the Rams to really... Uh, you know, threaten anybody else with the, with the idea of Todd Gurley in and of himself, because they can't do anything else outside of him right now with any consistency.
1: And now to your favorite part, college draft talk and the wind
0: down. Yeah, I start. I, here's the thing. I started a piece today about the five best matchups, uh, for Rams fans to look at for the 2017 NFL draft. And I ended up spending about 30 minutes just looking at the Texas OU game. So that that tells you how much I love college football, that I was looking at the damn Texas OU game for 30 minutes instead of writing that damn piece.
1: Yeah, but Texas OU will do that to you.
0: Well, it doesn't – I grew up in Dallas, man. That game has a – it has a special hold on my football psyche, but in 2016, there's a hell of a lot of other college football I could have been looking at for the benefit of Rams fan.
1: Yeah, you could have been watching USC take it straight to Arizona State, previously under sure. Arizona State, again, sure. which I get picked Arizona State to win rather handily, then um, well, what's wrong?
0: So. And how does that make you feel, Josh?
1: Ah, it doesn't bother me, man. I've I've, I've sort of come to realize that with USC, it's impossible to predict them.
0: Here's what I said. What's USC's record? Two and three? Two and four? Two and three. And and the the Rams are one loss away from being Mm -hmm.
1: three
0: and two. Here's what what I'd say, man. I I love the Rams. I'm not a USC guy. You know that. Yeah. I, th- I think you're coming close to a weird, a, a weird convergence of expectations uh, framed opinion, and, and I'm I'm eager to see this. And it may not happen this week. Obviously, the Rams are favored uh, to win over the Bills, but I think there's a there, there's a point coming, maybe at four and four, where. USC and the Rams are at the same point and and you're going to be forced to deal with the idea that USC at 4 and 4 is an unacceptable uh you know what's the right word A horrible
1: disaster
0: out- but a disaster. But the Rams at 4-4 four and four are full of potential. And that's all, that's so, five
1: games away from a nine-win season, baby.
0: <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And it, it's one of those things that I'm, I'm eager to see how you, with the perspective that you had, because your perspective is so different than mine, man. Uh, especially as it pertains to college, because I'm not a USC guy. I, I don't have the kind of, uh, you know, 10-2 and 2 kind of expectations for my team. A, i went to US. you. And know, I don't even have
1: ten and two expectations for the Trojans. Well not
0: thi- not this year,
1: but you've had no, them in the- I haven't had them for the past mm. five. Six. I haven't had them since Carroll left and even then in his last year I felt like Carroll was nailing it in. Like see what, what Carroll left USC John. so barren when when he bounced, especially in the defensive back department Like, he pretty much stopped recruiting knowing he was going to get an NFL job like he got with with Paul Allen and the Seahawks. Like, So he just kind of stopped doing the other stuff, the day-to-day stuff around SC. And then when good old Kiffy Boy took over between his, well, inexperience and his inability to really do anything, uh, combine that with lack of players, it just sort of went belly up. And um, I don't know, man. I just – I don't have any expectations for USC because USC do not have expectations for themselves. They continuously continuously hire head coaches who have no business being head coaches. This is now the third head coach in a row that they've hired who really had no business being a head coach. You go Lane Kiffin, Ed Orgeron, and Clay Helton. None of them – Should have been the head coach at USC. None of them, period. End of story. Don't feel like arguing with anyone about it. No, I don't, man. This is a program that has 12, 11 national titles, and you're giving it to a guy who went 8-24 and at Ole Miss? That's stupid. That's stupid. That is the dumbest fighter ever. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I kind of want to just get 60 minutes out of Josh Webb on USC football. Here's here's what I ask, man. I, I don't know how, if you got the, the schedule in front of you. The Rams don't have a first-round pick, and obviously there's – we're sh- we're shaping up to be a team with a lot of needs that we can't address with limited uh, draft capital. Here, here's what I'd say. Are, are there any players that you're looking at over the last oh, two weeks, three the- weeks?
1: Yeah. That- <laughs> Seriously. I'm that, not I don't, I, I, Juju Smith is probably the, the most talented guy that will come out. Juju Smith would be a guy that you'd want to get your hands on, but he's been so injury riddled that I'm not sure if it's worth it. If you look at the mileage that Cody Kessler and Max Brown have tried to put on that body, if I were a front office executive, I wouldn't take it. Especially if you look at the washouts from USC at all the other positions. Marquis Lee is supposed to be great. No. Nah. Uh, Robert Woods, supposed to be great. Well, I mean, he's not been awful. Um, But but the list list just goes on and on of of guys who come out of USC with all these expectations. And the the most prolific USC receiver I can remember in the past decade, the one who's had the best NFL career. Can you take a guess at who I'm going to say? Oh. He's it's gonna fly right under, he's Jared. gonna fly right
0: under your radar. Is it Jared? It's been a while since
1: Close. He was there. Very close. Go the opposite yeah. side of the field. Steve Smith. Steve Smith? Yep. Uh, Steve Smith was yeah. one of the biggest reasons that Eli Manning got his ring against the uh, undefeated Patriots. Yeah. He caught a ton of those balls on that game-winning drive that the Giants marched down the field and beat the
0: Patriots in that it's, Super Bowl. It's just wild that it comes down to a drive. But, yeah, I mean, it's, I, I have to go back and look to make sure we're not forgetting anybody, but, yeah.
1: No, we're not forgetting anybody. I mean, the other guy that, that you I, that, you, know Damian us. Williams, is another, like, guy hey who William, big things man. were expected of. Remember Big Mike uh, Williams uh, who took the year off? Yeah, that didn't work I, out. Well, well yeah, Mike Williams was huge, yeah. Yeah, but he remember he tried to follow Maurice Claret into the draft, lost yep. his eligibility, had to yep, take that. the year off, and never was the same uh-huh. receiver again. Yeah. Yeah. USC's receivers don't ha- USC receivers and quarterbacks do not have a track record of, of competing at the next level. They just don't.
0: Well, then let me, let me ask you this. Outside of a USC factor and more as a Rams perspective, is there anybody you've seen from the last three weeks? And obviously we're talking about the 2017 NFL draft, so not young guys like a Lamar Jackson that are, you know, developing into future prospects and uh, not maybe positions running back and maybe defensive end of the Rams. Uh, well, see, I mean, that's
1: that's what that, you're looking at is you're looking at, like, <laughs> like, what I want is, is you know, a, a reliable receiver, um i'd have to go through and look at the numbers and, and the different colleges uh but but i i, I do my draft pick and do my draft picks in a weird way it's not something that i just spit out like oh that guy's good i need to go and look at this guy where does he play where'd he play at high school how likely is is the system that he currently plays in uh to translate to nfl success so on so forth and with a lot of these guys, like you said, it's, there are some tough answers. There are some hard answers. There are there are no answers. You know, I, I mean, just like you got Steven Jackson, who turned out to be a world beater, and then you got Sean Mannion, who couldn't even bust his way into backup. So, I mean, it, it's, it's so difficult to know with these guys. But I'll tell you what, man, you look at that Stanford offensive line. I know Washington took it to them. Uh, but but I look at that Washington defense and that Stanford defense and say, okay, you ought to be able to find one or two guys off of those teams that could bolster what you do, even in the late rounds. They're physical guys, really physical guys. Um, as far as receivers goes, man, it always seems to come down to the Corey Coleman types, doesn't it?
0: Well, it depends. Here's here's what I'd say is uh, there, there are Cole, Corey Coleman types I look at Sterling Shepard out of Oklahoma with the New York Giants I think the question is, would he be doing anything close to that with the Rams and I think that's what makes it hard when you look at the draft is, is it even worth it to take guys like that uh, when you have the personnel and the coaching system around them? Now, we'll, we'll have to see if that's the coaching system that's in place for two thousand. you get a backup but...
1: running back like a guy like Donnell Pumphrey. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I'm serious. That's no, I,
0: I feel you, but it's, it's one of those things where... Guy. No, I feel you. It's just, and I get it. I get it that you're coming to this, you know, unencumbered by the past. The Rams have taken five running backs in the last five years. Like at it's some, at it's some point. and it's not you, and it's not that it's not true. It's absolutely true. Then there's plenty of guys. I would have loved the Rams to take in Paul Perkins if it were a different situation. You know, um, but. The, the Rams have drafted so many running backs and so many defensive linemen and so many cornerbacks, and they've done that at the expense of so many other positions, and, and that's part of why they can't get better at these other spots is that they don't have young talent coming up, and the only the only time that they spent capital in, in any real way outside of Greg Robinson in 2014 was in 2015 when they went all in on the offensive line. They spent... Four draft picks and a couple of undrafted guys to come in and, and compete there. And so the, the fact that they don't have a capable line in 2016 isn't really a surprise that the guys in their second year aren't coming through. And especially when you don't have Greg Robinson developing in a real way. I think the question is, uh, who was it? You, you mentioned somebody that asked a question that when do we give up on Greg Robinson? I think the question is when do we give up on so many of these other guys? When, when do we give up on Tim Barnes at center? When do we give up at uh, Brian quick and Kenny Britt, a wide receiver? When do we give up on, uh, you know, however you want to define the system at, uh, at outside linebacker safety when you're, when you're dealing with, you know, Cody Davis, play in a quarter of the snaps i I don't, I don't know what the answer for so many of these things are because i don't know if these are by design or if these are because they don't have any other players to play there uh, i i think if anything if, if we're going into the next draft josh with jeff fisher as the head coach i don't know what the fuck our biggest needs are because they've been the same for the last four seasons i it's it's one of those things. It's it's incredibly hard to judge. If we're if we're gonna think about it, you're talking about the 2017 NFL draft as a wide receiver draft. We've had three years, and think about the last three years of wide receivers that have come into the league. They've had the opportunity to draft any of those guys, and they haven't gotten them. So I I just I I have no idea how to assess the landscape of college football right now and think about who they want to bring in as a wide receiver when they're capable of skipping over the guys that they skipped over for the last three years to get, what, Farrell Cooper and Nelson Spruce? Well, we can
1: put a pin in it. I, it. It has been a long show, and I am not feeling the best. Um, we are about an hour and 20 minutes right now. Um, so, uh we can pick this up on Monday, and I will actually I go will. and dig into some numbers and uh, maybe try and come up with a couple of selections or so. But um, any, uh, any last thing you want to get out? I mean, we pretty much covered everything today.
0: And no, this- I'm just I'm, – I'm, here's what I'd say. We, we didn't really talk about the Bills game outside of what we, you know, talked uh, <laughs> to no, Jeff about. Yeah, and we talked to Jeff about it, but he, here's what I'd say. Like. I think this is a uh, – maybe Rani not – Manny gave us like Whatever. 50
1: listener questions, and so when when you get all the way down to the <laughs> letter point. N in questions, like, that's, that's, that's a decent number of questions.
0: Well, eight. A- We're here for the fans, man. We're here for the readers. We're here for the other tertiary timers. That's what we need to do. And uh, if anything, I'm excited that we've got people coming to us at the pod for stuff like this. But what what I'd say is, looking ahead to the Bills game, is that this is the only, like you said, it's the only game at the Coliseum. For quite some time, it's the opportunity to go four and one, which is a huge difference from three and two. And if the Rams lose this game, things look very different. The same way they did in Week One, when they lost to the 49ers. The, you you lose three and two as favorites at home, and all of a sudden the question becomes, well, when are they going to be able to win when they're expected to? Remember, the Rams through four weeks had done the opposite of what the odds expected. They had the Rams as favorites in Week One, and they lost. They had the Rams as underdog the next three games, and they've won. All three of them. So the question becomes, how do we how do we define the expectations for the 2016 Rams? I don't know what the answer for that is, and, and the, part of the reason why is because they they've done the opposite every game. But part of the opposite is because they haven't had a home field to really call their own, and you know, for year one, relocating the Los Angeles with just the the Seattle game in week two. I I don't know. I don't don't know what to expect this game. And I I don't know what to expect this game, especially if it's a game like last week, like Seattle, where the Rams are struggling. If it's 13 to 10, if it's nine to three, if the Rams are struggling in one of these defensive battles, I don't know how the crowd is going to react to that. When what you're selling is three and one football and and the idea of, and I hate to use the P word, so I'm not going to use it, but, but, November and December football that's leading into fair discussions using that word.
1: Fair enough. And on that note, we're going to end it. I got to get out of here. I am not feeling well. Uh, I am at Fight on Twist. You can find me on Twitter. He is Joe McEntee. You can find him on Twitter at 3k underscore. Uh, you can follow, obviously, the blog at Turf Show Times on Twitter. Uh, reach out to us. Send in your fan questions. Send in any dang thing that you want, and it doesn't matter how many questions are on here, we will stay late. We will answer them uh, just not too terribly late. Well, we'll stay late. We'll stay late. We'll keep we'll the light
0: late. on for you. But uh, what's up? I said we might. I mean, it, it, we, may. we did it tonight.
1: Yes, sir. So... For Joe, I'm Josh, and you can catch us next time uh, right here on Turf Show Radio, where we will be recapping the, I guess you could either say, transgressions or the victories from this upcoming weekend. Uh, Hopefully it is the latter and not the former, because nobody wants to see the Rams backslide to the Bills. Uh, So we will catch you next time.